Hey guys, hope you've been enjoying Shark Month. Thanks to everybody who listened. Matt and I put a lot of work into this. Hope you enjoyed the interviews. It was so cool to talk to the guy who played Alex Kittner. How good was that? <laughs> Jeff Voorhees, yeah. It's pretty cool to talk to someone who's eaten by the most famous shark in cinematic history, right? I know. That's pretty amazing. And then thanks to everybody who actually went out and watched Ghost Shark. I, I got a bunch of people who were like, I found Ghost Shark on YouTube. This is bananas and way better than I expected. Yes, isn't Ghost Shark amazing? <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed our interview with the director, Griff First. That was a treat. He was so interesting to talk to, and I love hearing about the behind the scenes and the lost jello pool that we never got to see. That sounded like a lot of fun, though. <laughs> Starring his wife. Starring his wife, yeah. <laughs> hey, honey, um, I put you in my movie. Oh, great. Am I a leading role? Not quite. What do I get to do in the movie? Uh, you get to fall into a pool full of jello. Oh, well, you know, if it's for your movie, uh, there's more bad news. Oh, what is it? You have to make the jello. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so there is one episode that didn't get released. We were planning to do a huge Jaws episode with a big special guest, but our schedules didn't quite line up. So we're still working on that. And we promise it'll come. But hey, that's how it goes in podcasting world. But Shark Month was awesome, Matt. I've had a great time. It's funny because after all this, I just want to, you know, take it easy, relax a little bit. But uh, all I've been doing is watching shark movies. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, we're going to talk today about some of the stuff that we've been reading, watching. I have plenty of shark stuff because it's kind of in your brain, right? Yeah. And it's certainly, it's summer. We're in the mood for it. There's a couple that I didn't get to during the episodes that we were filming or recording there's some of them that i wanted to do that i haven't gotten to so. right well before we get started on the show proper i want to give some shout outs i gotta give a big shout out to ryan dempsey this guy has been helping us out he came on our last of us part two episode that special episode talking about to me best game of the year holy shit this game was so damn good so big shout out to ryan dempsey for coming on the show and talking about it. So appreciate you, man. Thanks to everybody who listened to that episode. And I want to give some shout outs to some countries, Matt. Okay. We've been pretty international lately. We're pretty big in blank, blank, blank. <laughs> we are pretty big. And obviously USA has been our top listeners. Thanks to the home home country for, for bringing in that. But for Shark Month, we've had the United States, Ireland, United Kingdom, Canada, the Netherlands, Japan, and Spain Guys, thank you so much. It's amazing to think that somebody in a different country is listening to us talk about sharks and other dipshit stuff we say. But like, it's it's really cool to see that we're just getting worldwide, man. That's really awesome. And there are a bunch of other countries that we're listened in, but it's like one person there. And we appreciate you. We really do. But a uh, big shout out. Yeah, start spreading the word. We have fans in Japan, Brazil, Ukraine. Belgium, Denmark. Uh, I got a Russian Federation here. Uh, it, it's amazing. It's a, it's really amazing. We are really humbled. It is crazy to think like how we got on their radar, right? Dolph Lundgren, man. <laughs> that dude's universal. That's true. Or somebody was just like, hey, I'm tired of listening to smart people talk about sharks. Let's find two American <laughs> idiots talk about sharks. I want less real information and more jokes about penises. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and if we could bounce back, you just said Dolph, is, Dolph London is universal. He's actually a universal soldier. <laughs> <laughs> 
We're going to get into that. I watched that this week. All right. Well, let's get on with the show. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LaunchpadPod and our website, launchpadpod.com. Keep hitting us up. We love hearing from you guys. So let's get on with the show. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. All right, welcome to Launchpad Podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. And Matt, Shark Month is over, man. I, I'm going to have like Shark Withdrawal. I was going to say, Shark Month is always in my heart, for sure. Oh, yeah. And there will be more coming up. Like we said in the intro, we have a special Jaws episode in the works. As we teased before the episode started, it's like, there were so many more that I wanted to watch or that I watched. Like, I watched one of the Sharknados the other night because I've seen so many and we talked about some of them. I was like, well, now's a good time to try to try to get through those other ones you know which one did you watch uh sharknado 4 the fourth awakens how was that exactly what you think it would be first of all it delivers on shark carnage and people getting killed it has that's good so many cameos in it that i legit and like i know i'm not the best person to talk to about this but I legit probably only knew about a third of the people that were cameos. Like there'd be some idiot playing, you know, it takes place partially in a casino. There was some idiot playing a slot machine and clearly it was some famous woman. And I don't know who she is, but then she got like a cool death by a shark. There was a couple of those. Dude, that's the problem as we get older. Like when I watch the Grammys now, I'm like, who are these people? And they're like, oh, they're popular on this platform. I'm like, I don't iTunes? I don't know what that is. You know, and and as we get older, that becomes a problem where I'm like, I don't recognize like Disney stars that I was too old for, but like a current generation is like, oh yeah, they were big on the Disney channel. I'm like, never saw it. Never even heard of that show. Mm. What are you talking about? And now those kids are adults and famous and it's just like, who? They do what? Yeah. So I really want to watch the six sharknado because it has time travel and it looks like they were like oh kung fury is hilarious and really fun let's do that yeah i haven't gotten that deep yet but i'm getting there i think definitely five i believe is on amazon which is where i was watching the other one and six is the one that you said has time travel right yeah yeah so it's the last one i believe it's about time yeah i'm gonna try to see if i can get to that one i'd love to do six you know what it is it's like I also was fucking around on eBay and stuff when I was watching it because you really only need a sliver of your attention to follow that. But yeah. it it was the the running joke in that and they did it to like, you know, when someone does a joke and it's funny and they do it again and it's not as funny, then they do it a third or a fourth time and you kind of lost me, but then you keep doing it so it kind of gets you back. This did that with Edo jokes. There was Sand NATO, Lightning NATO, Every like there was about I would say no joke eight or nine different NATOs that happened in this movie that they had to deal with, and the first one you're like uh, I get it. Then the second one you're like Are you going to do this all movie? Then the third one is like You're going to do this all movie. Then the fourth one is like That was pretty funny. <laughs> you know, it's like because <laughs> at that point your brain is so fucking numb and you're stupid that y- you go along with it. You know <laughs> they just run you down. No, they yeah, run you down. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, it's it's enjoyable, and I still feel like this one, I think 2, 3, and 4 have been better than Sharknado 1. Interesting. 
I've been watching a lot of non-shark movies starting to, like starting to get out of the shark movies. Starring humans? Yeah, starring real humans. And I don't know if I want to start with the coolest one that I watched. No, we'll start with one that was okay. This one was called Low Life, and it's like this little independent film that came out last year. And the cover has this Mexican wrestler on it. So I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm on, I'm on board. And it is a movie that's like, God damn guys. Remember how cool Pulp Fiction was? I just watched Pulp Fiction yesterday. So I do remember. (laughs) Yeah. Pulp Fiction was cool, right? Low life was good. I wouldn't say great, but it was fun. It like, you know, had interweaving sort of plot lines, just a little simple and a little bit like, I don't know if that makes sense, but the characters were, fun to watch and this mexican wrestler was funny because every time he got really mad he'd just scream and then everything would go silent and then it would cut to him lying on the ground and just destruction all around him and he always would just like fuck up everything so that was pretty funny it, it was it was worth watching i definitely would give it a big endorsement if you like pulp fiction it's on hulu it's basically about this guy who is running an illegal like organ harvesting thing from illegal aliens like he has ICE agents who work for him, and they kidnap illegal aliens and uh, harvest their organs and prostitute them. So it's kind of dark. It's definitely a dark, dark comedy. Okay. And his bodyguard is this Mexican wrestler, and his wife, the Mexican wrestler's wife, is pregnant, and he's like super pumped about you know the legacy of his child. And she's kind of a drug addict. Everybody's just kind of a lowlife. Huh. Hence the title of the movie. And... <laughs> You know, there's a lot of intertwining things. There's these two guys who, uh, this, this, these two friends, it's a black guy and a white guy, and the black guy picks up the white guy from prison. He just got out of prison. And the white guy, it, while in prison, had a swastika tattooed onto his face, like his entire face. <laughs> and <laughs> he just constantly forgets that it's there. So he's like, oh man, I can't wait to go back to your mom's house. I miss her cooking, man. And his friend is like, yeah, that's going to be interesting. <laughs> this dude with this big swastika on his face. Is anybody in it? No, I don't recognize anybody. Not a single person do I recognize in that movie. Interesting. And it's super low budget. It's all over LA and it's all just kind of very much like Pulp Fiction. See, it's funny sense. as hell that you re- re- keep referencing that because I just watched it. To me, Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs are summer movies. Like I try to watch them. Not maybe not every summer, but I try to watch them almost every summer or when I think of it. Mm-hmm. They don't make movies like that anymore. It sounds so old fashioned to say that, but it's true. And I remember watching Pulp Fiction while I was in high school and thinking, like, wow, look how auteur this is. And it's very, you know, it's very much not, it, it was at points guerrilla filmmaking, but it definitely is like low budget, make a film how you can make it. Yeah. And. They don't really have that. They don't really do that anymore. It's either super, super low budget, everybody's making it, or it's like an actual big thing. It's very interesting to, to think about. Yeah, there's no such thing as a medium budget movie anymore. Is Low Life a thumbs up? You give that like, a, hey guys, check this out? I give it a thumbs up, but it's not going to be for everybody because some people are going to be like, oh, these people are terrible and they're shitty to each other. And it's like, yeah, if you weren't impressed by Pulp Fiction, you're not going to be impressed by this movie at all. My my wife has fallen asleep multiple times while I tried to show her Pulp Fiction. She's never seen yep. the whole thing. It's funny because that's a movie I would like put on in the background during college while I'm just doing homework and just watch Pulp Fiction on a loop. Did you what? see Bad Times at El Royale? No, no, I didn't. Dude. That was, was it who did Tarantino do that or was it Coen Brothers? No, some other dude did it 
but it was it is the movie that people who loved Tarantino movies would make and it mm. is awesome. I love Bad Times at El Royale and it's slick. It's a bigger budget movie. It's got great casting in it. It keep, keeps you on your toes. I highly recommend Bad Times at El, at El Royale if you have not seen it. I've heard good things. I just I forget what was in it that turned me off or maybe it was just like Yeah, it has Helmsworth in it and you for Oh, I'm fine with like him. Oh, okay. I don't yeah, there like maybe there's nothing in it that pulls me in, but maybe there's nothing also that pushes me away. You should watch it. It's 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 great. And it has that vibe the whole time you're like, "Oh man, is it is Tarantino involved with this at all?" Like it just has that mm. DNA in it. And that is the cool thing is people who grew up on on that era of Tarantino films are making their own movies now, and I like that, but because I've become exhausted with Tarantino himself. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I'm I'm the same way. And it's funny watching those movies because you know, I'm doing, I have the baby and like sometimes like literally I'll put something on in the background, like fucking Godfather, or I try to do Pulp Fiction with the baby, like doing stuff with the baby. Cause I'm like an yeah. awesome parent, you know, but <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, take note, Remy. And I always try to get pictures of him looking at the screen during a really cool part. I have, so I have a whole collection of those. I should, I should post them at some point, but I put Pulp Fiction on and go get the gimp. Gimp's sleeping. Well, you better wake him up. I didn't even make it past the diner scene before the credits because I wanted to watch it. I was like, even though I've seen this movie countless times, yeah. this is a movie I want to sit down and actually focus on, not with my computer out, not with the baby. So I turned it off. And I think Reservoir Dogs even more because I remember as a kid in high school thinking Reservoir Dogs was so fucking great, not just because of the Tarantino style and dialogue, but that's a movie that anyone could make, right? You get how many people in the entire cast... There's maybe 12 people, not including some extras running around in the street. There's yeah. at most, what, five locations at most. Yeah. And it's such a great, simple film that has so many cool layers and character development. And that's the st- like that's Tarantino style that I love. I didn't like what like from Kill Bill and beyond. He started to lose me. Um, Dude, Kill, Kill Bill is where I first saw the cracks. Mm hmm. Because, yeah. And like, I, I like Jackie Brown. Are you a Jackie Brown fan? I am, but it's I. it doesn't pack the punch for me that the first two did. No, it's fine. No, There's no, no, nothing no. wrong with yeah. it. And it doesn't do the bad stuff that I think everything after that, in my opinion, did. So yeah. I like Jackie Brown. It's good. But I don't, you know what it is? I don't like it enough to own it. I didn't buy it. I'll buy every copy Sir. of Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs that they make if they put new special yeah. features. Jackie Brown, I don't care about. Yeah, I, I don't own it either. But like, here's what happened. So in college, as you know, you and I had like this renaissance of, oh, I'm just devouring films. Mm. I'm watching everything I can get my hands on. I was watching all the horror movies like you were doing. You know, I was watching all the Westerns I possibly could. When I heard that Quentin Tarantino was making like a Kung Fu movie, yes, I devoured Kung Fu movies. And this was before Kill Bill came out. But here's the problem. When you watch all the movies that Quentin Tarantino watched to make Kill Bill, suddenly you watch Kill Bill and you're like, this is a mixtape of all the movies I just watched. Sure. Yeah. This is this is like The Last Shark, Cruel Jaws right. of Kung Fu movies. <laughs> and, you know, Kill Bill isn't bad, but when suddenly you're like, oh, I've seen these movies and you're just kind of lifting bits and pieces and building your own Lego version of a, of a Kung Fu movie. I guess there's nothing wrong with that. But then I also started to get see through some of like 
the bizarre dialogue repetition that he does yeah. that drives me nuts. What pray tell is the five point palm death technique or whatever she says. And they keep saying that word, oh, that phrase over and over and over again mm. to the point that you're like, I want to die. And, you know, and <laughs> it was over stylized to the point that you kind of lost the charm of it. And it was also the first time that it was like, dang guys, I got a huge budget. Watch right. what I can do. Yeah. I could do anything that I want. I don't think it benefited. And then after that, what came out after Kill Bill? Was it was it Inglorious Bastards? Or I mean, I know it was. It I'd was have death to look proof. up. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well. Grindhouse Death Proof, um, which I didn't love because it was all the dialogue that I hate. I love the, Death the, Proof. I'll tell you the. I'll tell you the truth right now. I think the first part. The what was the first one called? Planet Terror. That one was a better, like a quote unquote better movie. It was structured better. The characters were more likable and more. It's things what happened. I wanted from a grindhouse movie. Absolutely, I actually don't think that Death Proof was. It didn't fit the bill of Grindhouse as much as Planet Terror did, but it was to me more akin to the Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction stuff that I liked because it was... it was just a ripoff of Reservoir Dogs. Well, but it's fine with it. <laughs> we'll do the exact same conversation from the beginning of Reservoir Dogs with a camera revolution yes. <laughs> around women talking about sex and big dicks or whatever the hell they were doing. But let's make it twice as long and fill up half this time and then have some cool car stunts. But why? Who does that? I agree with everything you just said. There's nothing you just said that I think is wrong or that I think other than. But you just thumbs up that shit? You gave it a pass? It was, I, you know what? I like his dialogue and I, sure. like, and I think that you're right. I've heard that exact dialogue more or less before, but I think the fact that it was so much back to basics for him and it wasn't as crazy as some of the shit he had been doing at the time, I was on board and I was like, this is fun. As a movie, it doesn't really stand because it's like the co couple of cool stunts and sequences that they have don't really make sense. And it's not so, it's certainly not like a tr classic storytelling arc or anything. But I was like, fuck it. This just seems like well, it's almost like having a conversation with him through film. Like he's telling me some shit through these characters that he feels like saying. And it's like, OK, it's almost akin to like, I really love Stephen King. And when mm -hmm. I read a shitty Stephen King book, and there are plenty of not great Stephen King books, yeah. but when I read one that is shitty, it's still his dialogue. It's still his character development, his style. And I usually appreciate that enough that I don't feel like I wasted my time reading the book. And I feel like that's how it was at Death Proof. There's certain things that I, I guess, as, as those habits have been forming throughout his, his oeuvre, I was hoping that these things would be ironed out, like yeah, repetitive, yeah. cyclical dialogue. And instead, that's what he was like, that's my style, and like amp that up. And to be yeah. fair, look, I wouldn't be in the industry if it wasn't for Quentin Tarantino. Like, I, you know, he's, he's a notor that I highly respect. But again, like you said, after Kill Bill, it became a Hollywood machine and just didn't, didn't speak to me anymore. Like, Inglorious Bastards is maybe one of my least favorite movies. Like the fact that it gets so touted, I get really frustrated with it. I agree. And it's again, it's like there's a couple things in there that are cool and that are fun. But like for the most part, you're like, you could have made this a good movie if you had the budget that you had for Pulp Fiction. 
You know what I mean? The fact that it's just nonstop this and that, you're like, whoa. I think I think the editing's all wrong for it. And I know it's the first movie without his main editor after she passed away, R.I.P. But like <laughs> it's all cyclical. They keep keep doing the same scene over and over again. They do this thing in movies, which I hate for any movie. Don't tell me how important something is just to ruin it one scene later. They're like, we got to break this guy out of jail. Let's show this bitch in scene breaking this guy out of jail. Let's talk about how badass this guy is. And then in literally the very next scene, he dies in a restaurant immediately after. And it's like, all that time you spent telling me how great this guy is, has now wasted. Wasted. Mm. Now I don't care about that entire part From of From like the movie. a storytelling point of view. Yeah. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Yeah. So like if you were drawing a map, you just went in a loop- Right and now I'm back at the beginning where I don't have that guy in the arsenal and I don't care about him because that's not important to the story. Apparently you've yeah, just, yeah, you've yeah. just basically crimped. You, you gave your own movie a vasectomy <laughs> and now it can't come. <laughs> that's an interesting analogy here on the uh, Lunchpad podcast. <laughs> your movie is not getting off. It's not getting me off. I'll tell you that. Damn. And then it's like, even after all that, they're like, let's kill Hitler. And if the movie had done everything else to keep me going, I would have been like, whoa, that's pretty ballsy. I, I, I might even like be on board. But the fact that I was like over the movie and then they killed Hitler, I was like, that's kind of, I don't know. It just rubbed me the wrong way. Like you get to change history and kind of take that away from a bunch of people who didn't get to kill Hitler. I don't know. It, it offended me at that point, but <laughs> I could totally be on board because I've seen plenty of alternate history movies where I didn't give a shit that they changed the changed it and like same thing with once upon a time in hollywood like suddenly the sharon tate murders gets averted by a flamethrower battle oh, i didn't even see that one yet specifically you didn't even see like, it? no because it's one of those like when it's on prime or something for free and i have the two hours to sit there and <sighs> i i've said this over and over again so i don't want to be a broken record about it but he used to make movies that jerked off the 70s mm -hmm. and now he made a 70s movie that jerked him off yeah. There's a lot of cum talk in this episode. I was just going to say, <laughs> Sorry, guys. Like, I think you're like a little repressed or backed up, Room. You need a minute <laughs> to go take a shower or something? <laughs> <laughs> this is not uh, what I thought this episode was going to be about. <laughs> I did not prepare. Yeah, we had to take time for Tarantino, man. It's what had to happen. Well, I'd, yeah, I just did Pulp Fiction, and that's another one of those movies that, like, there's a million so things good. wrong with it. I've, I'm starting to really see the cracks in it. However... It is fucking great. It's enjoyable. So it's really good. And it's one of those things, and tell me if you have this, but there are certain movies and certain things that I remember from college specifically, but other teachers yep. talking about why a director did something or notice in this scene that this happens. And that's yep. one of those movies that was dissected a lot in college. And it's so fun to me to watch that. And I'll watch that and see that and... Oh, they're doing it like this because of this. That's so cool. Oh, look, that's like that because of this. So I think that shit is so interesting with the movies that still succeed years later like that, you know? Well, and he definitely defined a style that permeates all of Hollywood from that era on. And you certainly don't see it as much anymore because like you said, people don't make movies like that anymore. But any movie that has like a real dialogue heavy, like witty dialogue thing going on, I think you have to give some credit to Tarantino for making that plausible also anything that has like a lot of dialogue and a lot of violence <laughs> yeah as i say in feet and trunk shots 
Oh yeah, if you're down into the feet thing, do not watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. There's like a lot of feet. Twenty minutes a lot of feet, feet nonsense. Like, just like right up in the screen. He was like, "You guys don't like it when I shoot feet close up? <laughs> Suck it." Here's a bunch of feet. Here's a bunch of feet. And it's easy for us to be like armchair critics about his work, but I think when a director really inspires you, you get this weird sort of defensiveness of it, for better or worse. Well, I'm trying to think, what else What else have you been watching, doing, reading lately? Anything oh, else aside from that? So, I put this on the internet and people are like, what is this movie? Kate and I watched a 1922 documentary called Haxan. It was made in 1922? 1922. It's called Haxan, History of Witchcraft. And this Damn. movie is metal as fuck so it's 1922 it's a danish film and they didn't have any you know there's no codes so basically like okay back in the day there were witches and they were burning witches and you know witches weren't magic but here's what it'd be like to watch a witch trial and they have all this like torture chamber shit going on that you're like this is pretty hardcore and then like a recreation you recreation mean? yeah so it's the documentary quote unquote is because he'll be like, here's a picture of witches on trial. And then like, he'll like point to like things with a little pointer. Like it's like a, a class lecture. Okay. And then it'll be like, here's a recreation of a witch trial. And they're like yelling at these old ladies and the old ladies are crying and they're torturing the old ladies. And you're like, shit. And then the old ladies start being like, I'll tell you everything. Yeah. Yeah. The devil comes to be at night. And then it shows like a recreation of this happening. And she's like sleeping in her bed. And all of a sudden the devil pops up. And he's like, bah, bah, bah. and <laughs> the devil in this movie, his tongue will not stop moving. It's hysterical. Every time he pops on screen, it's just, bah, 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 bah. and you're like, that's so excessive and hysterical, but also metal as fuck. And like getting her to go out and like kidnap babies and stuff. And then they go to this cabal and there's all these like goofy looking, crazy looking demons. Some of them are spooky. Some of them are silly, like with pig heads and googly eyes. And they have like this baby doll that is supposed to be a real baby. They're like cooking in a, in a pot. And then like they all eat and they're dancing around the devil. And then the devil bends over and they all take turns kissing his butt. I kid you Wait, not. Wait, what? I kid you not. They're all like kissing the devil's ass. Is this what you do with your wife for fun? We watch documentaries from the 20s. Yeah. This yeah. explains why you're so ejaculatory backed up and you're like ready to rock. Watching <laughs> devil butthole kissing all weekend. <laughs> Uh, at one point, they turn these women into cats, and the cats go and defecate on, like, a church altar. Like, this movie is ridiculously metal. Oh, okay. I watch Spider-Man cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> you know, anybody who's like, no, documentaries are stupid. I don't want to watch a documentary. It's like, how about one about the devil? <laughs> it's great. It's I didn't good. realize the devil had so much tongue involved, but now, I mean, guess now that I know. He does, and it gets them all hot and bothered. They're all about it. <laughs> I think you're all about it. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> what was Kate's reaction? Oh, we were we were cracking the fuck she just up. Pulled you into the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> like now, now's the time, baby. Uh, a gentleman never tells. He's winking at me. <laughs> the best was I was gonna say that joke regardless, and then as I opened my mouth, he started winking. <laughs> <laughs> that movie works. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Hey, yeah. guys, you should watch old movies. They have a lot to offer. <laughs> like, pucker <laughs> up, buttercup. <laughs> Hail Satan. 
I don't even know how to like transition away from this. <laughs> I watched a movie called Villains with uh, that Skarsgård who played the clown, the dancing clown. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was all right. It was um, very dialogue heavy. Had a lot of moments where... So it's about these two like junkie thieves who are trying to... They rob a gas station and they're trying to get to Florida and their car runs out of gas because they're idiots. And they sneak into this house that's kind of remote and they go inside and they're trying to find the keys to the car to steal the car. And they go down in the basement and there's a little girl chained up in the basement like a 10-year-old. And then the owners of the house come home and they capture the two thieves. And then just... I don't know. They're kind of shitty to them. And there's a lot of like cat and mouse games. And uh, it was interesting. It was all right. I, I don't, like, I don't I sense it. a we should go out and watch that. No, nah, I guess not. Not a big deal. It was one of those movies. This episode hasn't been released. But remember when we recorded an episode in the bank about how movies end and suddenly you're like, that's not going to be OK after this. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. This definitely has an ending where you're like somebody's going to have questions about this situation and you don't have any answers and the movie didn't offer any answers and you're going to be in deep shit when somebody asks that question. Hey, where'd you get that little girl? Like they rescue the little girl, but like now they have a little girl. Now they have a little girl. And throughout the movie, you find out that the little girl doesn't belong to the family that they, in the house either. They stole the little girl. She is a kidnapped little girl. And now she's been double kidnapped. And people are going to have fucking questions. Where'd you get that little girl? Double kidnapped little girls are, are probably some of the hardest. Hardest questions to answer. Where'd you get her? Uh, we found her chained to a wall. Well, how'd she get there? Hmm. Where are her parents? I don't know. Well, what happened to the people that you got her from? We shot them. We killed them. <laughs> we killed them and took, took the little girl. We rescued her. You didn't think about turning her into the police then to find out if uh, maybe her parents are still alive? Yeah, I don't know. We didn't did think about think that, that, no. Because I'm an idiot junkie. <laughs> and now I have a little girl. God, I don't know. If you like Bill Skarsgård not being a clown, this might be the movie for you. <laughs> it might be. All right. Might not be, though. I mean, there's a lot of moments that were stupid sentimental where mm -hmm. they're like, time out. Hey, guys, it's time to feel something. Let's have a little chat, talk to talk, and like make you feel something. And I was like, nah, I'm seeing through that real hard. <laughs> uh, you try to get me, but I'm not going to feel that. <laughs> I'm not feeling that. Nice try. Silly movie villains. Had a good trailer, though. The trailer was better than the actual movie was. I feel like that's a good... That, that happens a lot. A lot. Have you seen a movie called Kronos? No, but I feel like the name sounds familiar. Like, I at least know what the, what the poster would look Guillermo like. Guillermo del Toro, Gold Bug, Gold Mechanical Bug. No? no? Okay. Guillermo del Toro, I want to say it's his first movie out of college. It was the most expensive movie ever filmed in Mexico at the time at a $2 million budget. Can you imagine that being like, hey guys, I'm going to make my college thesis film and it's going to be the most expensive film made in this country. I'd say I can't imagine that. But then when you think of Guillermo del Toro and what he went on to do, it's like, oh, I, I, I can, I can envision that. That makes more sense. A very young Ron Perlman's in it. <laughs> so he's not Ron Perlman. He's Ron Perlboy. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh i'm getting a text from your dad it says my dad jokes senses are tingling good job son i don't know why he texted me that i, know, That's I was weird. gonna say that <laughs> i'm proud of that shit 
but it's about a antiques dealer who inside of a statue in his store he finds this mechanical gold brooch it's big it's about the size of a apple perhaps and when you mess with it these like spine legs like a bug pop out and grab onto you and then like a little scorpion tail stabs you and sucks your blood but it like makes you feel real good you're like oh i'm not gonna say what it looks like it's right. happening to you but <laughs> dude literally the picture the thumbnail picture on hbo max my wife goes is that guy getting a BJ, what's happening here? Why why is that on your queue? And I'm like, it's a Guillermo del Toro movie. It's really good. But I watched it and, and it makes him younger as he goes, but it causes problems because he has the device, but another man, Ron Perlman's uncle, has the instruction booklet and they've been hunting this device down for years because this guy doesn't want to die. He's like sick. And so they're hunting for this device and it's Again, a cat and mouse of everybody running around trying to get the device while this guy keeps using it because it makes him younger. And then um, they have a sh standoff and he realizes that like it makes him hungry for blood. So he's like licking blood off the floor and it's real gross. And he has a little granddaughter who he realizes like he could harm her if he lets this machine sort of dictate his life. It's interesting. It's got some cool effects in it. Real simple, but very well done. You know, Guillermo del Toro, solid shit, man. Would you do it? What? I mean, would you would you recommend it? Big time. Hell yeah. Better than Crimson Peak? Yeah, that movie sucked. That movie sucked. I remember Sorry, like... Guillermo del Toro. I definitely fell asleep during that one, for sure. I saw it in the movie theater because I was so excited for a new Guillermo yeah, del I did Toro too. movie. And it was not good. It suffered. It was like, hey, we're based off of a book that's like 10,000 pages long and we've condensed it down to an hour and a half. But it wasn't based off of a book, so you could have done whatever you wanted. So it was just boring. <laughs> it was Sucked. boring. It definitely was boring. Oh, and the whole thing, the ghosts were unnecessary to the entire thing. The ghosts were like, hey, look at this book. And then the girl goes over to like where the book is, and the book stands out enough that she would have found it eventually. Like <laughs> The ghosts did nothing but like point at shit. And they were they were creepy ghosts, man. The ghost ghosts were really good. Yeah. But like they literally just pointed at things and the girl went there and then like found a clue. But I feel like if she wandered around enough, she would have found the clue anyway, because they weren't that well hidden. <laughs> Fair enough. And then the guy she fell in love with, turns out he was boning his sister the whole time, and she's like, I still love you. And then the story portrayed this like tragic love story. Dude, if you found out that Amanda was boning her brother. Would you still be, like, about it? How hot is her brother? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Loki from the Avengers movies hot. No, because he's like a little boy. I can't stand him. I don't understand his <laughs> sexual appeal at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if her brother's Channing Tatum or someone like that, you're like, okay, I can... Gross, but I can understand why. So if her brother was Ryan Reynolds, you'd be like, you get a big pass. We'd talk about it. I'm not saying I would definitely con condone it immediately, but like, all right, let's sit down and discuss this. <laughs> oh, that's that's kind of messed. <laughs> no, that's gross. I think. Fair enough. I think any sort of any sort of extramarital sex, I think, is at least in my current relationship, not approved. But I feel yeah. that if it's with a relative, it's like extra not approved. I feel like it's an immediate. Sorry, uh, we're done. Sorry. Yeah. That, that, that's fucked up. I don't know, man. That's pretty messed up. We need to break up so that I can go tell everybody how gross you are. <laughs> <laughs>
What the fuck are we talking about in this episode today? I don't know, man. We we had to time out for Tarantino and it derailed everything. There's a, <laughs> a lot of like, yeah, we're, we're kind of all over the place now. That's okay. I didn't come into this episode with a plan because Shark Month's over and I'm just lost in the sea. I'm like those people in open water, <laughs> but the sharks don't come for me. <laughs> so, you're just sitting there bored. Just, just, just bored, just swimming, just treading water like a moron. Well, I got something for you that I think I'm actually going to order and, and send to you because I love it so much and I think you'll like it. But like for me, it's almost worth buying for you just to see what you think. Did you ever watch the 2003 animated Spider-Man that was on MTV? No, I remember it was a thing, but I didn't, I didn't have MTV or something. So it came out right after Spider-Man 1, but before Spider-Man 2. And right, I think Sony right. and everybody were trying to capitalize on you know, how popular the first Spider-Man movie was. So it's that world. He's got organic webs. He's in college. Neil Patrick Harris voices Peter Parker in Spider-Man. Lisa Loeb does Mary Jane Watson. And Ian Zierig of Sharknado 1234456 and some other, I think it's 90210 or one of those shows, he voices Harry Osborn. And it's essentially supposed to be the same type of characters from the movie. It's supposed to be a continuation of the movie. It is fucking great. And I remember being in college and watching it in college and being like then, like when it was out, being like, why aren't more people talking about this? And for me, that was odd because I wasn't into superheroes yet. I didn't really care about and I did not like the first Spider-Man movie. I still don't. It's fine for certain things and it certainly opened a lot of doors, but I didn't think it was very good. And I hate Tobey Maguire. Someone... Someone on Facebook posted the other day, I think so, I think it was Bugs, who does the, on Wednesdays we wear a pink podcast that we've been on. Yeah. He posted some, I think it was him, but if it's not, excuse me for the, the misdirection. But it said something like, the people who hate Tobey Maguire as Peter Parker, that's why he's a great Peter Parker. And I was like, no, you're not supposed to hate Peter Parker. You're supposed to love Peter Parker because he's a nerd and because he's adorable and tries so hard you're not supposed to not like him unless you're fucking flash thompson anyway i can't stand toby mcguire in general and that's my toby mcguire rant brought to you by matt dude i could do a whole month on how much i don't like him specifically as spider-man but anyway hey why hate when you can love for me i'm just not gonna hate him i'm just gonna love neil patrick harris as spider-man and this is fucking great first of all like no and you do you like tom holland as spider-man he was great. He was absolutely great. He was the best on screen, live, at least live action. I think he was probably the best with the best live Aww, action. Poor movie. Andrew Garfield. I thought he did fine. I don't think he did great. I don't think those movies were good, but, but I that still like those better. No, I agree with that. And he did a good job. But the Tom Holland, Tom Holland nailed it. He is what Peter Parker and Spider Man are supposed to be. That's can I keep derailing your Spider Man conversation even more? Yeah, if you <laughs> l- l- let me get like one sentence in and then pull it off. Okay. You know that like Spider-Man is one of my favorites, like favorite superheroes. He's at least sure. top three, if not the actual top one. Tell me about how you didn't read him as a child, but in college. you <laughs> Actually, I'm going to throw back to one of my favorite episodes that we've ever done where we interviewed and really just chatted with Zeb Wells, uh, yeah. who's one of my absolute favorite comic book writers. Oh, yeah. Zeb's awesome. Remember when we were talking with him, he said Spider-Man is the hero that I aspire to be. And I think yeah. that's like the best way to think about Spider-Man because I love Daredevil and I might I might like reading those stories more almost, but Spider-Man just has this amazing moral compass. I just love that character. Even a, like I said about Stephen King, even a shitty Spider-Man story 
Spider-Man is still cool to read, you know, or to watch or to, to be. I think Spider-Man to me is quintessential superhero. I know a lot of people point to Superman mm-hmm. as the quintessential superhero, like, like a, the paradigm. But that's like saying that baseball is America's pastime. No, it's obviously not America's pastime. Like, obviously, there are other sports that are more popular than baseball. But Spider-Man, to me, is the paradigm because he is who you could be Correct. if you had superhero. I can't be Batman because I don't have that money, baby. Right. Working on it, but I don't. Superman is too He's everything. He's there. And he's also literally an alien. Like, yeah, he looks like yep. us and there's a lot in common, but... Spider-Man has problems. Spider-Man has relationship problems. Spider-Man has problems being a superhero. And it's very interesting, this specific one that I'm touting, it's called Spider-Man the New Animated Series is the technical title, I guess. It aired mm-hmm. in, in on 2003 on MTV. But um, he's in college. And this was made pretty much for a college audience. So there's some, there's not like, you never see a sex scene, but like a girl walks out of his room in the morning. Yeah. Did he put a sock on the door? Dude, it was a girl and it was not Mary Jane. And Mary Jane walks in the morning to talk to Peter about their feelings. And this girl walks out of their room. So it's like a weird, like, it's like a shit, you know, love triangle moment. And it's great for that. And he's trying to balance a budget, making money, being Spider-Man, having these relationships. He's got Mary Jane and he's got another girl who's like a newswoman uh, working at a news station. And he's kind of figuring out between the two who's he, who he's going to choose. But like he gets with this one chick at least one time. And like, <laughs> no joke, man. There's a scene where the two girls confront him together and are like, you have to make a choice. And like that shit happened. That literally happened to me in college once. And it's like, how much more could you relate to that unless I could fucking crawl up a wall? Um, there's nothing that turns a professional newswoman on more than your stinky ass dorm room. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I love this. And it also, before, I mean, before the last five or 10 years, this was the coolest Spider-Man, Spider-Man shit you could see. Mm-hmm. Because I have some, you know, really favorite artists who draw Spider-Man amazing. But... To see him in a comic book style actually moving. This is actually, if you guys like Into the Spider-Verse, you should Whoa, check this out. Because movie. it is it is one of the greatest versions of Spider-Man. The way he swings, the way they are able to do the camera angles and the action scenes. It's just unreal. It looks so cool. It's got a great style. I love the, like as silly as it sounds, I love the build of Spider-Man. He's super lean, but just yeah. like super, super strong muscles. I love this. And it like... Some of the stories are kind of uh some of the stories are really good. Some of the it's more like the scenes are hard hitting but the overall episodes are just fine. There's a two part I think there's about 12 episodes, 13 episodes. The last two episodes are a two-parter where he ends up throwing the Spider-Man costume away and that's how the series ended. So it's one of those things that you're like, "Oh my god, please just give me one more episode to kind of bookend this." But he like tosses it into, you know, puts, suit, puts it in a suitcase and tosses it in the river. And that's how it ends. And, you're, and then the series never got picked up again. You're like, oh, Damn. fuck. So it's, it's, it's great. If you guys haven't watched this, I, I just keep telling you how great it is. I'm not even giving real reasons. But I love this. Rumi, I'm going to buy it on DVD. Do you have a DVD player? Are you able to do sure. that? Yeah, I'll, send you, I'll send it to you on DVD because I really, really enjoy it. If you guys haven't checked it out, you should. it's worth the watch. I... There's a couple kid Spider-Man cartoons that have come out since that I actually do like, but this one is just, 
it's so cool and the music is sucking fucking so great it goes with the style of the show i love it i love it a lot the voice acting is good i wish they had some more baddies like some more of his rogues gallery in there craven's in it electro's in it but you never get to like venom what about green goblin green goblin is not in it but the osborne oh cool because it takes place after the first movie so green goblin theoretically is dead harry's in it they don't even mention really the green goblin the lizard is in it rob zombie plays kurt connors and the lizard it's almost like a werewolf he turns into the lizard and he's a full you know giant lizard he's not in a in a in a lab coat or anything and he's going after harry osborne and spider-man it's a really cool episode I'll have to check it out, man. Yeah, oh, send it my way. I'll, I I'll think it. it's worth, even if you don't like it, like if you're not <laughs> coming about it like I am, I think you'll <laughs> still enjoy it and be like, yeah, that was that was cool. But it's one of those to me that like, I wish there was more, you know, we're trying to get Brian Michael Bendis on the show and he had a lot to yeah. do with this. I would love to know what would have happened if they got a second season or some other stuff from behind the scenes. Was he a producer it, on it? He was an EP uh, and a, I think a created by, he had a, in the in the opening credits, he has at least two or three titles. That's awesome. Well, you know how much I love Into the Spider-Verse. So let me tell you my Andrew Garfield story. So okay. I'm at a premiere for Walking Dead. At some of these premieres, some some pretty big names show up and I get a little starstruck. You know, most of the time we've been in Hollywood long enough or worked in long enough that you don't. Mm. But like at the last rap party that we went to, Marilyn Manson was there and I got to give him a little nod and he nodded back and it was like, I didn't want to go bother him because he's there. You know, he's not there to be hounded. And they, and like, they tell you in the invitations to these rap parties, like, please realize that people are there to have a good time with their friends and not right. take pictures with, you know, nobody wants any of that shit. It specifically said, Rumi, don't squid out. Yeah. Rumi, don't do this. So I'm at one of these premieres and Andrew Garfield's there. I'm like, holy shit, there's Spider-Man. That's freaking cool. And I thought he was stoned out of his mind. And then I was talking to somebody about it and she's like, no, he, he's my friend. I brought him and he wasn't stoned. He, he was sick as fuck. Somebody gave him like an hors d'oeuvre and he's like, is there any peanuts or self shellfish or something? And they were like, Nuh. and he ate it. And it turns out he's allergic to whatever was in there. And he was like dying on the inside. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I feel so bad. I thought I met a whacked out of his mind Spider-Man <laughs> when in reality he was just dying from ingesting something he was allergic to. You don't to. think it was his spider sense going off? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was some bad shit going down. He was just like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> just pantomimed spider sense. <laughs> Uh, poor Spider-Man. But yeah, man, I, I do love me some Spider-Man. I, I think to me, in, Into the Spider-Verse is one of the best things. And I don't, I know you don't play video games, but the PlayStation 4 Spider-Man game was out of this world. And they're about to release a Miles Morales video game that I'm very excited about. Yeah, see, that's, and I almost, at the beginning of this whole Corona nonsense, I almost bought a PlayStation 4 just to try to get, like... That was one of the main reasons, but I was like, I just had a you fucking should. baby. What am I going to have time to play that? I don't, dude, I don't have time to watch the TV shows and movies that I'm trying to watch, let alone. Ugh. The Spider-Man me. game nailed it, and it did a lot of really cool things about how they made the world, and mm-hmm. it's the first time I've ever seen Mary Jane be a real character, a real human, like, portrayed as a real human being. Like, she had her own life to live, and there were some times where you got to play as her, like, investigating shit, sneaking around, doing doing stuff but like my favorite part is spider-man and her go out to go out to lunch and he's like hey i know we've been broken up for a while but i think we should get back together and she's like you have a lot of baggage and i don't want to deal with that and it's like 
Damn. Is that a, is that a choice you could make in the game? Like no, could, that's her. That's her decision. Like th- th- it's not a very choice-driven game. It's an action-driven game. But like mm. they walk away, and it turns to the to the person who works at the cafe, and it's Stan Lee in one of his last appearances, and he goes, "Man, I wish those two could get back together." <laughs> and you're like, oh, Stan Lee. <laughs> I wasn't ready to see it, dude. This game is so good. Green Goblin doesn't exist yet, so it's like you know you're working with Norman Osborn, like he's your mentor. Doc Ock is your mentor. Like you're working with these people Mm. and you're inadvertently like kind of helping this along. And like you fight Doc Ock, you know, you fight all these, you know, rhinos in it has some just really cool scorpion has some uh, really cool stuff building up for the sinister six. And it's a really cool, just such a well done game. And Oh, aunt May's in it. Just a lot of emotion. She break up with you too. Yeah. She breaks up with you and you find out that, You've been smooching with my brother. <laughs> no, but the Spider-Man game is amazing. You know, you uh, Miles Morales starts getting powers and you start like figuring that stuff out. It's really cool. Great game. Sounds awesome. I've only heard good things about it. Yeah. So good. I've actually also read, um, I finally sat down. Dude, I think this is the first, maybe the second comic that I've read since quarantine started just for fun not for the podcast not for an interview but like read for fun i read there's a comic called spider-man life story which Mm -hmm. was pretty good and i didn't know anything going about it going into it it's a six book series and each series deals with a decade so the first one was the 60s then 70s all the way up to 2010 and i didn't know what what the story was going to be but it is almost like an Elseworlds thing. It looks like at the beginning, like in the first uh, first issue, something different than what happens in regular Spider-Man mythos happens, and it's the repercussions of that. So he ends up, uh, like Captain America changes, Flash Thompson dies in Vietnam, Peter Parker feels guilty about that, He uh, Mary Jane marries Harry, Harry's a druggie, which... it. It's like they went in and kind of retconned and changed, tweaked a couple things about Spider-Man's history as they went on. It was it was really pretty interesting. The end kind of got a little like they changed so much. Then we're in space with a giant, you know, pulse that's supposed to cover the planet, and I'm like, uh, I'm out by now. But yeah, anytime Spider-Man's in space, I'm out. It was pretty interesting, and it was drawn by Mark Bagley, who's one of my favorite Spider-Man artists. He did Ultimate Spider-Man as well as a ton of other Spider-Man. Yeah, but he's like, good. Ultimate Spider-Man was one of my gateways into comics in general. So that's one of my go-to Spider-Man um, images when I think of Spider-Man is is Mark Bagley. So it's tough. I did not enjoy the Ultimate like reboot, the Ultimate this, Ultimate that. Everybody, I don't not know, even like, Spider-Man. Did you read all of Spider-Man? Yeah, it was fine. I just didn't want them to do that because when, sure. so for me, when I was reading the Spider-Man comic books, Norman Osborn stole Spider-Man and Mary Jane's kid and we never found out what happened with that. And then they went into Ultimate Spider-Man. I'm like, but wait, I'm invested in a storyline you've been teasing me along with for months now and you're just going to like give up on that and go a new direction. Yeah. Never come back. Yeah. Wow. Okay, well, what happened with all that? Wait, I don't that, know. They, then, you're saying that they never resolved that? Never resolved it. Are you sure? I I never got back to it because I didn't really enjoy reading Ultimates, so I stopped reading Spider-Man comics. Oh, I see. Interesting. And I mean, I went back and read Ultimate Spider-Man when it got collected because I hate buying single trades and waiting 
waiting, waiting. Mm. So I usually read it after it's been collected. And it was good, but again, how many Spider-Man reboots am I ever going to need to read again? Like that, that is super tiresome for me. And I'm just glad that Spider-Man Spider-Verse like figured out a way to reboot that. That makes sense to me. And I think what happens is if you're reading something or invested in something, and like you said, they reboot or start over again, especially if it's something like Spider-Man, which my mom knows how Spider-Man got his powers and she's never read a comic book or, or you know what I mean? She, sure. It's just, it's, it's permeated pop culture so hard that we all know that story. Yep. But for me, when I picked it up, I was just starting comics. I was just starting to get into them. So like, you, you know, I think now a lot of times comics use the term jumping on point. Yeah. That didn't come out when I started reading comics, but that was one of the first I picked up. So for it's me, it's an easy jump on point. Yeah, and sure. it was, and it was a great, and I think it was a updated, flashy. Like, I think when I had started reading comics, if I went back to like the nineteen sixties, Steve Get- Ditko, Stan Lee, Spider Man stuff, I don't know if I would have fell in love with it so fast as I did Ultimate Spider Man because of the the time frame and the generation of the of the storytelling. It's funny because I think I can keep pointing to jump off points for me more than I can jump to uh, jump on points. So I did. Mm all of the onslaught marvel onslaught series you know there's a huge <laughs> onslaught event and it it hit every you know hit x-men it hit spider-man it hit captain america like everything was involved with this onslaught fantastic four event right yeah so i got through that and then it rebooted so after onslaught happened it killed all these characters off and it rebooted iron man it rebooted uh fantastic four with jim jim lee doing the art and it looked amazing uh, and I was on board for that, and I was reading all those comic books. Captain America got a reboot. Everything started looking different, and they they redid it. And it was edgy and big, and I read all that shit. And then it kind of came back, and then Ultimates came out, and I was kind of off. And then I started to come back, and I was like, okay, let's see where they're at now. And then they started Civil War, and I was like, I'm too, I, I can't do another massive multi, multi-property event. And I know that Civil War is great. I know uh. that it's really... But you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it was yeah, a, yeah. Like, just when I was back on to read a couple issues of something, they were like, oh, but now you got to get the whole story. You got to read all this bullshit. And right, I was like, I'm right. not doing that. So I was out for Civil War. And I just feel like that, keep, that keeps happening where, you know, then they did Civil War Part 2 or, you know, DC did New 52. Here's a whole new thing you have to get into. And it just makes it exhausting. I was like, just give me one story to read. And that's why I got into just trades of completed stories that if I don't get the whole thing, great. It's here's what you need to know right here. And that makes sense. And I think that's part of why growing up, I didn't read a lot of comics because I couldn't, I couldn't guarantee that I would be able to follow that story as far as getting the issues that I needed. So I would do like mini, you know, the mini series where it was four or five comics and that was it. That was the whole story. It wasn't an ongoing thing. You know, well, that's why Star Wars had a bunch of good miniseries like Splinter of the Mind's Eye had a, had a mm-hmm, compact mm-hmm. issues. Tops did a lot of it. Dark Horse had a lot of like right sections, and like especially with the Predator comics, you'd find out like what Machiko was up to, and it would be a complete package, and then she might disappear for another story, but would be back later. And it's like you could pick up those pieces in chunks, which right, I right, enjoyed. Right. So I, uh, same thing for me. That's the same thing. And I was, it's hard. And I, like, I'm kind of at that point now where I've kind of been out of it. I haven't really been keeping up with many of the, um, 
many of the mainstream characters, let's say Marvel in general and specific, cause I really like Marvel and that's usually what yeah. I'm reading, but I haven't, I haven't spent a lot of time. So they, they change things, they do new things and everything. And I'm like, well, I, I really, I don't have time to follow that. And also not to criticize anybody, but I haven't read anything good in a while. So it's like, why would I invest following this character when it's either more of the same or it's like, ugh, what else guys, what else has happened? I will say something that, you know, I was off Marvel and DC, but that's when I got into Walking Dead because mm. I was like, here is a straight story thread that I can follow and it comes out pretty regularly in trade paperback and I can buy those and then it comes out in big omnibus and I can have those. And I know a lot of people were super pissed when the comic book ended last year and I was like, oh, I have the whole thing. I felt so accomplished. I was like, <laughs> as mad as I was that the story was over, I was like, I don't have to collect any more issues. I, you, I've, I have the whole thing. It's done. It's a, in a complete package. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you for, for putting a bow on top of it. And I was really pumped. <laughs> I just wish the show was better. The show sucks. The visual effects are like so-so. <laughs> oh, pretend I'm the devil and kiss my ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I'm That's glad you hysterical. feel accomplished. <laughs> I, I got the whole series, man. You did. There's it. another series, uh, Transmetropolitan. That's another one that I, I have the whole kit. And Dude, I haven't great even opened one of those books. I know how good it is. It's Derek Robertson art, obviously, right? Which is great. So good. I know, and it's it's is it written by Warren Ellis? Warren Ellis, yeah. Derek Robertson art, which obviously is great, and written by Warren Ellis, who's hit or miss for me. But when he hits, is usually pretty good. When he misses, it's not bad. It's just not as good as his hits, but. It's very verbose. Like, do yeah. you remember? I mean, you, of course you remember in the nineties when like X-Men was super wordy or like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Johan Vasquez was doing Johnny the homicidal maniac and it's very verbose. I mean, again, it's that Quentin Tarantino era where people can be really wordy and it was interesting. We liked what people had to say. We were invested in reading big chunks of dialogue in a comic book. You don't get that a ton anymore. It's kind of shifted away from that. But Transmetropolitan is really wordy, which, if you're interested in it, is very fascinating. And I, I tell people, this is a Hunter S. Thompson in the future, and I love that concept. And it's very political and very, I think, very topical, even for especially right now. Yeah. With all yeah. The craziness that's going on, on out there. You should read it. I'll get there. It's like, I think the wordiness is part of the reason I haven't jumped on yet. I don't like too many words. No, I want to look at the pictures. The pictures are beautiful. I love the pictures. Derek Robertson, yeah. He, uh, yeah, the man. guy who did The Boys, and um, yep. he did Fury Max, which I love. And he did, you know what else he did? He did um, Punisher versus Wolverine, where Punisher blows Wolverine's face off, and it's just one the of my metal favorite, skull. One of my favorite yeah, I love it. I was lucky enough to finally get two pages from that story. So many, and one of the one of the pages is when he hits Wolverine in the balls with a baseball bat, which is great because there's an inner Punisher's inner monologue of like, how do you fight someone with a metal skeleton and a grow a new ass superpower? And he just picks up a baseball bat and hits him in the balls, and it's like, that's awesome. <laughs> that's oh awesome. man, so good. Well, guys, thanks for listening to our rambling episode. We were all over the place today, but you know what? Sometimes it's fun to just talk, Rumi. No agendas, just chit-chatting. <laughs> just throw it out there, all on the table. Just everything but the kitchen sink. Oh, that reminds me. 
it's just fun, man. It is always a good time to talk nerdy with you and get <laughs> just get it all out there. Guys, tell us what you've been watching. Tell us what you think we should do next. Shark Month was such a success. What a great event. So much fun to do. Let us know if we should do some other months. Is there a topic we should tackle? Let us know what you guys think we should cover. Hit us up on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LaunchpadPod and our website, launchpadpod.com. We have some great stuff coming up. We have some great interviews. We've talked to some people about The Shining, a big comic book name. Talk to them about The Shining. That's going to be really fun. Uh, More interviews with Kelly Jones, friend of the show. You guys loved it when we talked to him. He will be our most often interviewed guest, a three-peat with Kelly Jones. That's going to be really fun coming up. And some more just classic Launchpad episodes. So keep your eye out for those. In the meantime, Rumi, let's blast this thing off. I'm ready. (laughs) It's funny every time. It's funny every time. Can't wait till we can do it in person again, but that's for another day. Anyway, we're the Rocketeers and we are out. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three. Two, one, zero, all engine running. Liftoff, we have a liftoff.